This is Together, an Ada Bible Church podcast about the world of marriage, where we attempt to invite you to explore the ways marriage works and doesn't work. From practical ways of learning to biblical inspiration, we invite you to listen to other professionals and couples to help enrich your marriage. Here are your hosts, Samuel Jones and Dr. Kelly Bonnewell. Samuel, it's so good to see you today. Oh, man, this is wonderful again. You know, it's just beautiful outside. It's still nice. The fall temperature is hitting us uh, right in the right in the face, although it still feels a little bit warm. So, you know, it's good, Kelly. How are you? Doing great. So, hey, our most popular podcast, yes, other than two of our campus pastors uh-huh. and a national guest, uh-huh. was our podcast that we did last November with Sarah Eastway on sex. You're right. You're right about that. Yeah, Sarah came through and gave us the, listen, the juice. I know. And for our <laughs> listeners, this is a little bit of a teaser, and this is going to be quite special. And I'm curious to how all of this is going to come about. Mm-hmm. But Sarah's coming back. Really? Yeah, this season. Really? Uh, and actually, I think it's going to be two episodes. Mm. And uh, it's so funny that you're playing coy. Um, I, listen, I'm surprised. Oh, really? Yeah, you're so surprised. she's coming back twice. Who's she coming back with? Oh, she's coming back with Rachel. Okay, that makes our sense. Our co-host, Son, beautiful. She's coming back with. Uh, and oh, by the way, they're going to talk about sex again. Okay, that's this is great episodes. Yeah, yep. yeah. All and right. guess who else? The other two co-hosts. <laughs> yeah, are listen, be. let me know. Okay, it's going to be Julie Bonniewell and Tova Jones. Tova who? <laughs> I'm, I'm just kidding. Tova Jones, my wife. Oh, that's wonderful. And your wife. Yeah, are, my you, wife. Are, are we sure we want to do this? I know. I've been praying about it a lot. <laughs> that's awesome. Trying yeah. to coach Julie of what to say and what not to what say. Not to say. <laughs> oh, that'll be a great episode. Oh, it's going to be so, uh, it's going to be so good because they're going to be talking about sexual issues from a woman's standpoint. Yeah. Yeah. And that's a super important issue. And and when you're talking about it from both a biblical and a, you know, a psychological standpoint, I think that that can help so many women who are wanting to say, man, we don't talk about this. Well, here's the opportunity to not only hear from a professional, but our both of our wives who live with the counselors. Right. So it's going to be a great episode. And not only that. Right. But what are we doing today, Kelly? Oh, boy, we got somebody special for you. <laughs> uh so I have known, so we have a special guest today. His mm-hmm. name's Matt Kenny. I, Matt and I have been friends for quite a few years. Mm. Uh, we met one another at Mars Hill Bible Church many years ago. Mm-hmm. And uh, Matt uh, is now the men's pastor at Crossroads Church here in Grand Rapids. Mm-hmm. And we're going to touch on some men's issues as related to sexuality, but more importantly, also kind of intimacy issues. And so, yeah, Matt Kenny, welcome to the podcast. You bet. Glad to be here. Awesome, man. Yeah. Well, well, let's get this thing going because I'm excited mm-hmm. um, with you, Matt. You know, Matt, if you can, just to kind of give our studio audience just a little bit of a understanding and preview of who you are, could you just tell us about you know yourself and your family? You bet. Well, I uh, West Michigan born and bred. Lived in West Michigan my whole life. Um, 
Married 25 years as of yesterday. Wow. wow. Congrats. Yeah. So Man. anniversary yesterday. That's so, so that's cool. Why are you here? <laughs> yes. Why are you here? I couldn't think of anything better to do on the day after. Right. That, that is kidding. so good. Yeah. 25 years yesterday. So Wow. wow that's congrats. really special. 15 of the best years of my life. No. Just kidding. <laughs> just kidding. It's, it's been awesome. An awesome ride. Um, yeah. My wife Renee and I have been married 25 years. We have three kids. Mm. From 22 down to 10. So Jake is 22. My daughter, Lauren, 17. My son, Michael's 10. And wow. uh, yeah, you bet. We're uh, just a busy family here in West Michigan. Kind of loving it. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and I've been a pastor for about 23 years. It's hard to even say that. I mean, I feel really old. <laughs> but uh, been a pastor for 23 years, professional counselor for about 10 Um yeah, and it's just been a, a joy to grow over the years and get to know all of you and, uh, yeah, hopefully share some things today that are helpful. Yeah, awesome, man. Awesome. So, like, for yourself, um, what are some of, like, some of your counseling interests? Obviously, we're here talking about men's issues and things, but that's a broad, broad topic, mm-hmm. right? So, like, as a therapist, as a counselor, as a pastor, what are some of those things that you find yourself having conversations about? Yeah, I think... For me, um, my interest in working with men kind of came out of my own story. Mm-hmm. Uh, as a as a young man, kind of struggling to figure out life and relationships, marriage, and raising young children, and all that kind of stuff. I had uh, really some really good men in my life that kind of came around me, and so I've always since then been interested in getting involved with men's lives and the Mm. things that men wrestle with. Mm. Um, And, uh, you know, as a counselor and pastor, we encounter, uh, we encounter all the time how the impact that those things have on our marriages. And so um, we have had the privilege of walking with dozens and dozens and dozens of couples over the years um, into, into marriage struggles Um, specifically with men years ago, uh, born out of my own story uh, in a struggle with pornography in my teenage and, and young adult years mm. um, have really <clears throat> found it fulfilling and also uh, kind of a niche that I've filled uh, with a couple colleagues of mine just to step into sexual brokenness with men and and walk with lots of men who are who are just kind of working through that and trying to figure it out. Um, and so that's a specific interest of mine, but a lot of general practice stuff too, Sure. as a counselor. Um, and you guys know working in the church. Um, yeah, especially churches who are willing to step into stuff with people. Um, <laughs> yeah, exactly. definitely that, exactly. that a lot of stuff comes through and, and, uh, and so just a variety of things. Yeah. So, so Matt, you have had a very, very special relationship with Ada Bible, um, and in particular, our men's ministry. Can you tell us, like, how did that start? And what? how did you help us as a church push forward into really um, ministering to men in this way? I think you kind of roped me into this. Oh, no, it bit. was me? <laughs> <laughs> oh, years ago, I remember. Uh, so we had, I had been a pastor at Mars Hill for 13 years. Uh, left there and and um, at one point and kind of did a, a few years away from pastoral ministry. Worked some nonprofit stuff. Started my counseling practice. Uh, and during that season, uh, we actually attended the Kentwood campus at Ada. 
uh, for a couple years and you and I kind of reconnected a little bit and I think if I remember right, there was one day where you said, you got to meet Ben Vaught. Oh, yeah. Ben at that yeah. time was yeah. working in men's ministry. You just thought he and I would hit it off. And so um, I remember just starting some conversations with Ben. And um, one, of the, one of the passions of mine throughout my time as a pastor uh, and a men's ministry leader and a counselor has been um, – taking men away for wilderness trips. Uh, it's amazing. Years ago, a counselor friend of mine said, if you give me four days in the woods with a group of men, they'll go farther than four months in a counseling room. So uh, I found that to be true. And mm. man, Ben and I kind of hit it off. He was uh, just kind of thinking through some things and men's ministry and the way Ada was doing stuff and had this desire to create some sort of experience for guys to kind of really kind of dig into their story and, dig into their walk with the Lord. And so uh, he and I got to talking about this and uh, man, it was awesome. Uh, ben and the rest of the team at that time invited me to step into some space with them where we created uh, a wilderness experience where we took groups of guys, man, over the two years that I was with Ada. And then for even for a couple of years after that, I, I bet we took 80 to a hundred guys away on some uh, wilderness trips, some up to Ontario, some to Drummond Island. Mm -hmm. uh, and the whole point of the weekend was to help guys just kind of wake up to the story that God's writing in this world and, and figure out the ways in which the enemy has tried to keep you from fully living into that story. So we did a lot of story work, dug in with a lot of guys, and it was super fruitful. Uh, loved it. Um, I've continued to do those trips. Still, I'm doing one next month with some guys <laughs> from Crossroads. Sure. Um, but that's how I got connected with, with Ada Bible. And it, it was awesome. It was awesome. So stuff. with that, so years ago, when you told me about your Ontario trips, mm -hmm. um, they sounded like an, um, they, they are, they were an amazing, rich experience, yeah. but for our listeners, create a picture for <laughs> what those days were like, because you were in a remote part of yeah. Ontario. So the trips we did up to Ontario years ago, we went to a you know rustic cabin, no electricity, no running water. We had to carry everything in, but it was just beautiful. It was comfortable, just a beautiful place. And the whole idea was to go somewhere where cell phones don't work. That's great. Right? It's mm. we're going somewhere to clear the white noise out of our life because mm. if we're really going to connect and have a meaningful experience of community with one another. And we're really going to connect with God. Sometimes we just got to put stuff on the shelf and just leave it, leave it at home. Um, and so, uh, yeah, those trips, we, you know, it's a combination of things. We did a lot of, we did a little teaching, a little storytelling, uh, some just enjoying of God's creation, you know, getting out in the woods, doing a little hiking, um, sitting on a mountainside, talking to God, journaling, like the whole, the trip just encompasses a, a whole lot of stuff. Uh, but the point of it all would just be to help reconnect with God, reconnect with men, have a real meaningful experience of community, and and build a real understanding of how your story has impacted your life and relationships, and maybe kind of point you in a direction uh, where you become more aware of who you are in Christ mm. and and what that means uh, and how, how that can impact your life going forward if you get on a road to healing and you stay committed to it. Um, and so, yeah, it, those were, so th there were some rustic trips. We've done some more comfortable ones too. 
Uh, but some of those were were pretty pretty wild up in the wilderness. Yeah, wasn't it? Wasn't there uh, in the Ontario one? Wasn't there a place where there was a jump? Oh yeah, we did some cliff jumping. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah, the like cliff how, jumping. Like how high up? Oh, I would. Well, I would say the the tallest one we did with the Ada groups was about thirty feet. Oof. Wow. But that wasn't the scary thing. Okay, some some okay some guys were real scared about the thirty foot. <laughs> the scary thing is. It was at the top of, of a waterfall. So it was a set of waterfalls where we did some cliff jumping. When I say this, it sounds super dangerous, but the, the pool we were jumping into was very slow moving. So we didn't want to, we didn't want to risk anybody's life, but about a hundred yards further, there was a 75 foot waterfall. And no. so you're jumping into this pool, but you're looking ahead of you <laughs> oh my. and uh, thinking swim a hundred yards from now, I'm going <laughs> over out of the water. Right. <laughs> so you got to jump in, but then you got to get out. Right. <laughs> so it was, it was a lot of fun. Oh man. So many guys, I have memories of and yeah. pictures of so many guys. That is so cool. Uh, from those groups, jumping off those waterfalls, just having a blast. So. Well, Matt, I can say um, I I have benefited from the residual of <laughs> of those of those uh, wilderness trips and the three now that I've been on, man, to to talk about how impactful and powerful and life giving and looking at your wounds and the lies and some of the things that we talk about, just the power of that is so amazing. And and I always tell people this: I said, listen. Um, I'm not an outdoorsman at all. <laughs> you know, if you can make a fire outside, guess what? I have a fireplace inside, there you, go. you know, and make a fire, but I'm an indoorsman and that's okay. <laughs> and, and even in those spaces, you know, God does so much work when you go back and you look at some of those things in your life that are not necessarily, you know, pieces of your story where you, you, where you, sometimes you have pieces of your story where you haven't given it over to God, you know, and you in bet. that space, having to do that with other men is so powerful. So thank you. So powerful. Well, thank and you, I man. love it because the, the, one of the, one of the purposes of mm-hmm. doing those trips was to kind of raise up some leaders from within sure. the men's groups here at sure. Ada. And, and I'm not a part of those trips anymore, but yeah. man, to hear stories now of how you guys are taking that. Yeah. And, those guys are doing really well and 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 really connecting with yeah. the men here. I just love it for sure. Yeah, awesome. and the cool thing, Matt, it all started with you. Yeah, man. And uh, we're still doing it. <laughs> Samuel did one what a month ago. Yeah, yeah, yeah literally. And, it's fantastic. Uh, so thank you so much. Yeah. Love it. Yeah. And so speaking of of stories, um, me and you, Matt, have talked before, and I just love how you talk about you know how important it is to talk about our. Our, our our relationship to Genesis mm-hmm. as men, yeah. you know, could you just talk a little bit about, you know, what it means to look at Genesis from the context of being a man and also being in marriage, yeah. you know, what that means to you? Well, man, I, like, I think, uh, you know, we want to, if we want a perfect picture mm-hmm. of what relationship is supposed to be, right. It's walking in no shame and, mm-hmm. and uh, it's God's original design. It's what he created us for mm-hmm. uh, in Genesis one. And, and uh, unfortunately, we live in a Genesis 3 world, mm. right? Mm-hmm. And so, like, I oftentimes go back to uh, the scene in Genesis where, you know, you have, the, you have these two trees, tree of life, tree of the knowledge of good and evil, mm-hmm. right? And I look at it like the tree of life is just this representation of just the blessing and provision of God. Mm. And, uh, and the tree of life is that, it's that thing that represents all the things we look to for life, 
but it, but it never quite fully satisfies. It might satisfy in the moment, but it never quite fully satisfies. And uh, the enemy comes in the garden and he sows that deception and that deception for men and women. God's not good. He's holding out on you. Mm. You got to go, you got to go write your own story. Mm. You got to go figure your life out for yourself. And uh, man, all those deep desires that God placed within our heart as men uh, that we're meant to just kind of be connected with him and, and for us to find the fulfillment in him, uh, it, it gets distorted at the fall. Mm. And uh, we go everywhere else now for those desires to be met, trying to find the place for those desires to be met. Uh, when in actuality, the way our hearts were created was to be just plugged into living into the, uh, just that real, that relationship with the Lord, walking with the Lord. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately, like the thing that I see all, all over and over in marriage specifically, um, you know, I, I don't know if you guys remember, what's the, what's the movie? Jerry Maguire, mm-hmm. years ago. Sure. Renee, Renee Zellweger looks at Tom Cruise. You, or, and Tom Cruise looks back and says, you complete me. And I want to puke every time I hear that. Right? I want to hear because, like, no woman was ever meant to complete a man. No mm. man was ever meant to complete a woman. Mm. Amen. Right? And so, uh, so many times in the marriage relationship, we have this thing that happens where the deepest desires of our heart that were supposed to be met through our walk with the Lord, mm. we end up laying those expectations on our wife that somehow mm-hmm. she's going to come through for me. She's going to come through for us. Uh, and wives, we do the same, right? But uh, it just creates so much dissonance in a relationship when we put expectations, when we when we bring all of our deepest need, and we make our spouse our need meter, mm. right? Instead of our partner in life, they become our need meter. Mm. So, so with that, Matt, our our identity needs to be in Christ. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What are some of the key negative features that you see men getting caught in that hinder them from a being connected to the Lord and then b connected to their spouse and probably even connected to their family in some sense. You bet. Like, I mean, if you go back to the Genesis story, right again, Mm -hmm. Genesis three, the result, what does a man do? (laughs) He looks to his work, the work of his hands you know, the ground's going to produce thorns and thistles. You got to work for it from here on out, Adam. And uh, I think ever since the the Genesis 3 story, ever since the curse, the propensity for a man is to look to what he can accomplish, what he can achieve. Mm. It's to, to look to the work of his hands, to find his place in the world, to find his identity. And there's some of that, I think, that can be healthy and, and good and just you know, building a man's character, but ultimately looking to what I can conquer and achieve and accomplish oftentimes leads to so much damage within the life of a man. So things like, uh, things like I, I even have it in my own story, things like workaholism, right? Focusing too much attention on, on what I can achieve and accomplish there. Uh, seeing my relationships as something to win or conquer or instead of, something just to live into and love and enjoy Mm. and serve Um, all kinds of ways. I think that that curse plays out even in the grasping for understanding of sexuality and what that means for us as men 
to understand my sexuality as not as not as something to conquer or win or or achieve something, but as a place of just holiness that God created, this space for us to serve one another. Um, I think a lot of it you can tie right back to that whole Genesis three fifteen. Mm. Let's talk about the the last item you talked about there, and that is sexual addiction. Mm -hmm. Uh, Most men, so in an earlier podcast, we talked about uh, everybody, there's four chief struggles that we have in life, um, depression, anxiety, anger, and lust. And uh, all of those can be good things in your life. They have good properties, but they also have very dark properties. Mm -hmm. And most men, probably 80%, their struggle is lust. And um, also another thing I tell people that I'm with, of those four, there's one that's going to follow you the rest of your life. Mm -hmm. You can never take your eyes off of it. Mm -hmm. It's there to destroy your life. And I mean, I'll be vulnerable here. That lust is mine. God has been very forthright with me. Kelly, even when you're 87, you can't take your eyes off of Mm -hmm. it. Um, and so lust is a unique or sexual addiction is a unique struggle for most men. Talk to us. Let's, let's talk about that a little bit, explaining what it looks like maybe and other dynamics of it. Yeah. I, like I was sharing with Sam the other day, like one of the, one of the quotes that's always stuck with me over the years, uh, GK Chesterton, I think it was, who said, every man who knocks on a brothel door is really searching for God. Mm. And um, mm. over the years, working with men uh, who struggle with with sexual issues, whether it's a sexual addiction or addiction to pornography or just simply struggles with gender identity, sexual identity, struggles with, with uh, just being able to navigate sexuality in, in a marriage relationship, whatever it is, yeah. um, I think that as, I, as I've kind of unpacked this over the years. Um, I've never, I've, I don't know that I've ever counseled a marriage where sexuality is not an issue. Me too. Mm, me too. It, it, it is. And so I think part of, um, part of the, uh, you know, part of what characterizes this stuff oftentimes is just this sense of shame and hiddenness. Sexuality, it's just hard to talk about. Right. And so, um, I think oftentimes a first hurdle that oftentimes men need to overcome is just this idea of hiddenness. Like when we feel shame in our lives and shame issues with sexuality are issues that bring with it a lot of shame. When we feel shame in our bodies, the, our natural kind of bent is to try to cover it up, right? And again, it goes back to the Genesis story. Shame enters the scene. What do Adam and Eve do? We hide. We sow mm-hmm. fig leaves. We hide from God. And I always thought it was interesting. Years ago, I asked a question to a group of men. So where did the fig leaves go? Like, mm. what, where, where did they put them? That's an excellent question. Right? right. They didn't put them over their face. They didn't, they didn't hide their face. They didn't hide their left big toe. Right? <laughs> they hid the place of in them that makes them distinct and unique as men and women. It's the mm-hmm. place of their sexuality mm-hmm. that was hidden. And so um, helping guys kind of get past just this, this propensity to want to hide out of shame um, by opening up even and beginning to tell their story 
by, by finding safe places to be able to share that story um, and begin to understand some of the origins uh, of where that came from in their life. Um, and, uh, and so, yeah, I mean, I, I have, I, over the years, like, I just kind of feel like God has, um, impressed on my heart and it's really, it's the reason why I even started those wilderness retreats years ago. God has impressed on my heart that men need places where they can be vulnerable. Mm -hmm. They need spaces where it's safe for them to open up. And, and once they are willing to just share their story, uh, to actually sit in a room with other, other men at, at first, other men that will hold their story with them. Um, and that won't run out of the room when they hear something that just sounds awful. Mm. Um, they'll hold their story with them and, and they'll make the commitment to just walk with them. And, and not let the shame push them into this space of hiding with one another. One of my favorite verses in the Bible is right after the infamous John 3.16. And as a paraphrase, it says, for those who had the ability to come into the light, mm-hmm. they found healing. Yeah. And that's exactly what you're talking about. Absolutely. So there are, on this topic, here's my final question about this. There are guys... Uh, listening to this right now, who've never come into the light, mm-hmm. okay? Who are terrified, absolutely, of going to see a counselor or even sharing these. They're they're maybe even secret from their own spouse. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, what, like, walk through just you? You mentioned telling your story, maybe mm-hmm. a good starting point. What are some of the dynamics that you have found in all of your years of practice? What are some of those aspects of telling your story? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, what, what would you say there? I would say that um, Dan Allender, uh, author and psychologist, uh, he once, I heard him talking about this and the importance of sharing your story. And he's like, we don't want to share junk food stories, right? We're not just, we're not just sharing just the mundane things of life. I think when I, when I refer to sharing our stories, uh, I would say that the the line that the enemy has used in our lives to keep us stuck in whatever it is we're stuck in was sown into us through our life experiences, through relationships, mm. um, oftentimes relationships with parents uh, or people who had some, you know, place of authority in our life uh, growing up. And so when we talk about sharing our stories, what, what, what I'm getting at oftentimes with a man is let's go back and let's look for uh, the moments of impact. Mm-hmm. Um, I always like, think about this and there's, there's two words in the, in the Greek new Testament for time. There's chronos and there's Kairos. Mm-hmm. Chronos is like that sequential ticking of the clock, right? Ky- where Kairos, mm-hmm. these Kairos moments are those moments when time stood still. Mm-hmm. They're the moments when something happened. And things were different after that. Now, they can be good moments, some good Kairos moments. I mean, the birth of my son 22 years ago was a Kairos moment. My marriage 25 years ago, Kairos moments, they've brought so much goodness to my life. But the reality is Kairos moments that involve pain, betrayal, Mm. uh, those types of strong negative emotions, man, those stick with us. Right. If I, if I touch a hot stove, I'm not likely to touch it again. 
And so our brain works that way. Those memories of those hard experiences in our life kind of stick with us. And so when we look back on our stories, I, I feel like sometimes we, tr- we avoid those Kairos moments. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I'm not looking... I'm not looking just as in a story. I'm not looking just for somebody's testimony. That's a part of our story. It's a crucial part of our story. What I'm looking for, are where are those moments of loss? Where are those moments of betrayal? Those moments of hurt where something happened and your heart shut down, your mm-hmm. heart went into hiding and, uh, and you became uh, you, you, the enemy used that to sow a lie into you, to sow some message into you. That always has an element of shame. I'm not enough. I'm alone. You know, those words that we hear oftentimes from men, if we really get down to the root of what they're experiencing in the pain of their life, I think it's always going to come back to I'm either I'm, in, I'm not enough or I'm alone mm-hmm. in some way. And so if we get back there and we understand kind of the origins of those things and where it comes from, I mean, a lot of counseling a lot of walking together is building insight into those those places in our story. It's in inviting God to to bring His healing presence to those places in our stories, and yeah. and it's learning how those have impacted our lives, so we can start to build a future story that looks different um, from from the story we we've, we've come from. It's a it's yeah. like a retelling of that story into the future. So yeah, yeah. So so what I hear you saying is like <clears throat> to just have a as a man just have a lust issue isn't just at the simplicity of it a lust issue mm-hmm. many cases it's based in some of these stories or things that we've had that were crucial moments in our lives whether it was not being fulfilled whether it was a space of of a desire not being met or or a place of shame any one of those could be spaces where somewhere in our life something has happened Right. Something has 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 changed the course of how we think and behave about things. And through the course of life, we eventually get to these points where, man, I feel like I need to fulfill this in a way that mm-hmm. often cases is detrimental, whether it's porn or whatever it could be. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Like I, sexual issues can become habitual issues. Mm-hmm. Right. We practice something long enough <laughs> and and sometimes we need some really good behavioral interventions in order to kind of work on those things. Mm-hmm. So I don't deny that. But mm-hmm. I would say at the root mm-hmm. of every uh, sexual issue that guys struggle with, there, this dynamic exists. Mm-hmm. There is something in your story mm-hmm. that we need, to, we need to search for. We need to find. We need to, we need to kind of sojourn together back into that story and understand it. Because really at the end of the day addiction to anything is is a misplacing of desire mm. it's it's placing my deepest desires on something that promises to fulfill it but just never quite does mm. um and so it might give me a moment of relief temporarily <laughs> exactly yeah. but it but it never lasts and so when we look at that like the reality is those deep desires those places we we learn to take those deep desires are the, I believe a direct result from the filter that kind of gets built within us. The belief system that gets built within us that oftentimes is based on those early experiences where the Kairos moments of my life have given me messages that have taken my life in a certain direction. And that's what impacts our life and our relationships. 
That's powerful, Matt. And, and you know, as you were as you were talking about that, I had to go to the story in my head where it involved Jesus and a woman of the opposite sex, where they're literally sitting at a well, and Jesus tells her her whole life right in that moment. He's like, mm-hmm. "Listen, she's like, I'm at the well. Who are you, man? You know, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm a Samaritan woman. You know, beautiful story. And yet, in that space, he tells her in her whole life, like, yeah." Yeah, you had, you know, you said you had a, you know, somebody that you were with right now, but you were also with all these other people. Mm-hmm. But he was talking about her place of desire mm-hmm. and what she was trying to get fulfilled. And in that space, he then says to her, well, the true desire that I can give you is that I can give you true water. I yeah. can give you life-giving water. Well, it doesn't run dry. Right. And mm-hmm. in that space, I go back to what you said of, it's so true that that desiring place, even for a man, we go in all these different spaces and we try to fulfill it. And yet we have to go back to the creator yeah. <laughs> of heaven yeah. and earth to give us what we need, man. And, and that's so powerful mm-hmm. um, out of that space. Speaking of women um, in, in, in the space of being a man and being a husband specifically, um, sometimes we, we also hear in the space of marriage, you know, men are emotionally absent and unavailable, <laughs> right? Yeah. You've probably heard that thousands of times, <laughs> you know, yeah. in that space. And, and I just want to ask you, you know, like with that space, like with that being probably one of the common gripes that 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 wives may have with their husbands, like how how have you like navigated that conversation mm-hmm. when it comes to that space? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. The the number of times I've sat in a counseling office and heard a wife say, he just won't share his heart with me. Mm-hmm. Um, that That's a big deal. And um. And I would say uh, this is, that hasn't been an easy journey for me mm. as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, my experience would say that most men are not raised in an environment um, where a vocabulary around emotions is very well developed. Um, and so, uh, you know, West Michigan culture, I don't, I, I don't know how, I've never lived anywhere else, right? And so <laughs> sure. I don't know uh, how it is in other places, um, but I know like in, in the context we're in here, um, it's a very like work ethic, you know, pull yourself up by your bootstraps kind of culture. Um, and uh, I think, you know, I encounter a lot of men over the years who just, they struggle in silence. So uh, when they have strong emotion, uh, when they when they when they feel something um, that's that's pulling them down, dragging them down, the last thing they want to do is actually open up and talk about it. Mm. Um, and you know, my wife's the one who sees me naked, right? Yeah. So, like, if I have a weakness, oh man, sometimes the last person I want to see that is the one because you know, Renee, she can she can affirm her words mean more to me than anybody. Mm. And so she can affirm me better than anyone, man, she can tear me apart. <laughs> and she, if she were sitting right here, she'd, she'd agree with that uh, because the person that you're in that marriage relationship with is the one who's in your intimate space most fully. And so their words mean so much. And so um, I, I just think uh, um, I lost my train of thought. Well, I, you know, I, just while you're, just while you're talking about that, uh, Matt, I think you're saying a truth that we haven't really talked about very much in the podcast yet. And that is the people you love the most, 
you hurt the most. Absolutely. So true. Because you are at your most intimate and, and, and also there's that dynamic in a relationship where you can take a person for granted. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, you bet. Yeah. And, and I tell you the, the, the man who, um, who can begin to understand, like we were talking about a minute ago, by the, by the ways his heart has been shut down mm. through his life experience, a man who can actually go back and begin to put words to that mm-hmm. and be honest about that, mm-hmm. I think is a, and invite some of the healing that God can provide in those places in my story is a man who will begin to be able to put words to it put words to the, not just put words to the emotions that are lying kind of down there, mm-hmm. but also begin to really grapple with the impact uh, mm. that, that, that has had. Um, but ultimately like anytime we, anytime we shut down our hearts um, because of the hurt we've experienced in our life. Um, I mean, the heart is the place where my uh, emotional vocabulary is. <laughs> Right. Right. And so anytime we shut down our hearts and we go into hiding just simply to protect ourselves mm. from being hurt, uh, it's going to result in that. And so like, I, I just really, man, I, my, my love for, um, for even the the men that I've encountered in the last eight to 10 years, especially of my life through, through like some of the guys here at Ada sure. and, and, you know, the men that I walk with at Crossroads and, um, watching them risk vulnerability um, has been some of the greatest joys of my life mm-hmm. um, and, and learning how to put words to things and, and develop a vocabulary around emotions and actually, uh, actually let themselves feel things and face things um, and then talk about it mm-hmm. with people. Um, and let's face it, the church, you know, my experience Growing up in the church, and again, I've only lived in West Michigan. My experience growing up in the church, it it wasn't always a safe place for, for a man mm-hmm. to be able to be honest. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember hearing stories uh, from, I remember talking with my mother-in-law one time about the church that she was a part of years ago where, you know, a, a, one of the, one of the, one of the men, a young man in the church opened up about a sexual struggle and and that, that kid, he was a kid, was marched up in front of the congregation, mm-hmm. excommunicated from the church. And those types of things, I mean, uh, when I hear some stories like that about uh, church hurt mm-hmm. um, and where the church hasn't been a safe place for a man to be honest about his struggle, um, I just don't think that's the heart of Jesus mm-hmm. that I see in the Gospels. Not at all. Yeah. Um, and so, uh, yeah, uh, like as a Christian counselor working in the church yeah. to see that shift, I feel like there's a shift that has been taking place over the last couple decades um, where men are just uh, there. They are they're They're becoming more open, more willing to kind of step into things. Yeah. And it's the biggest reason why I think we need each other as men. So true. Right. We need each other. Uh, we need, we need our women too. Like they need, they need us, but we need other men in our lives uh, to be able to encourage us, to be able to walk with us, to be able to, we, we need to be following someone. We need to be clinging to people 
and we also need to have people that follow us yeah. uh, as men. Yeah. So, and, and Matt, that's social. I want to affirm what you're saying here because, again, personally testifying from both being a man, being a husband, being a father, but also being on these retreats, like there's a space where I'm I'm not surprised how many men come into an environment when you know you're you have some type of familiarity with each other, but then you're like, okay, cool, I'm with some guys. Reading the Bible, we're studying everything, and you, and you often hear the the crickets in the room, like because <laughs> yeah. everybody's you know we're we're you yeah. know introverted at at that yeah. point in time, and and then in that space when guys begin to whether it's someone who's leading up front or someone who's in a space who's in the circle who is talkative starts to share their stories, it gives vocabulary, it mm-hmm. gives language to guys to be like, oh yeah. That's what I'm trying to say. That's oh, what man. I've been feeling. Yeah. That's what I've been going through. And then for other guys, they're waiting for someone else to share their story. Then, then they can pick up on that too. Yeah. And in that space, that emotional vocabulary, because we often have these thoughts that we're thinking, but we don't know how to put them into words. Mm-hmm. That helps us grow in that space to have the vocabulary, have the language, be able mm-hmm. to share and write down what it is that we've been thinking and feeling for years. Yeah, absolutely. And then in that space, just to affirm what you're saying, we have this opportunity then when we openly share that and are vulnerable, transparent with the guys around us. Guess what that helps with our wives in <laughs> when we get home. Now we have a, a at least a stronger opportunity to be like, hey, babe, you know, this thing It's my wife's name, babe. Yeah. Um, you, you know, <laughs> babe, I have this thing where, you know, I've been thinking about this and this is a, and and maybe just maybe that opens up that space to be even more vulnerable with the person that I'm intimate with. Mm-hmm. And, and there's so much power in conversation there yeah, just as I, an application. You absolutely. Know? I remember a couple of years ago, I was walking with a guy who had been experiencing a lot of sexual struggles. And um, he came to me one day because he had messed up. Mm-hmm. He had messed up and, and he right away was, I got to tell my wife, mm-hmm. I got to tell her tonight. I got it. I got it. I just got to tell her. Mm-hmm. And I remember having this moment of, are you sure that's the best next step for you? <laughs> um, and he he was so fearful of mm-hmm. coming to her, and so and I remember just saying to him, "You know, you got some good guys that are walking mm-hmm. with you. Mm-hmm. What do you think about? You have to tell your wife what what you did. You do have to tell your wife at some point. I think you're right. What do you think about maybe locking arms with a couple brothers on mm-hmm. this first? Mm-hmm. And it made all the difference in the world for him uh, because he had this space that he had been living into with these couple guys of vulnerability where, you know, they were able to hold that story with him. They weren't pushovers. They didn't, they didn't help him hide that from his wife. They were able to encourage him. They were able to walk with him. He was able to kind of take all of that pent up anxiety and fear that he was operating in and he was able to just kind of release that with a couple guys that were that were uh they weren't just accountability partners mm-hmm. for him they were encouragers for him mm-hmm. and because of the space that he took to be able to really walk with a couple really good brothers with that uh he was able to come to his wife much more from a place of uh, of repentance mm-hmm of contrition rather mm-hmm. than just the shame of what he was feeling. Mm-hmm. Almost and, like dropping it. Exactly. It there. And yeah. what he would have done that night is he would have re-traumatized her mm. from some of the things that have happened in their past. He would have simply just, he, he would have re-traumatized her over and over again 
because of the anxiety and the shame that he was feeling, but because he had those men in his life, um, he was able to come to her in a, in a, in a, in a much better place. Mm-hmm. And he did share it with her. Mm-hmm. And it was a big part. Those moments were a big part of their healing journey as a couple. Yeah. Um, but he needed men. He yeah. needed men in his life. And just, and just before we move to the next question, to the follow-up to that, right? I, my question would be to you, Matt, in that space, that mm-hmm. specific space between a husband and his wife, what would you do to encourage the wife in that moment? Mm-hmm. Um, in that space of like, I feel like my husband's not telling me stuff, but he's also going to get that accountability from guys. Like, what would you tell her in that moment? That's a, yeah. <laughs> you know? I mean, I think, Every situation is unique. Mm-hmm. Um, and so a lot of times with, a, with, with guys, especially who have struggled with um, sexual sin mm-hmm. for a season, I would tell them any question is valid. Any, any anger you feel from her is okay. Like all, like all of the mm-hmm. emotion that you're going to receive because you're, you're coming, you're bringing this into the light and this is hurtful and this is shame filled and like anything that you receive from her, mm-hmm. like we get, we, you and I can process that. You can process that with your brothers, but for a season, no defensiveness, mm-hmm. right? No walls. Um, not asking you to be a doormat, mm-hmm. but I, but I'm, I'm asking you to find that place of grace inside of you. And so for a wife, uh, for a time, man, I, I just want, I just want her to know like, like what she's feeling is valid. Mm-hmm. Um, what she's experiencing is extremely hard. Um, I would want to know that she has people in her life mm-hmm. as well. Um, that she's walking with. Not experiencing um, things alone. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. And I would want her to know that her husband's not, he's, he's going to fail. He's going to fail. Like there's yeah, that's like, the truth. like, uh, like, uh, you know, years ago when I started working in the worlds of addiction, I, you know, you'd hear the phrase over and over again, right? Ultimately, relapse is unavoidable. Guys, we're going to mess up. Like, so uh, as we walk this journey uh, of recovery, whether it's a chemical addiction or a sexual addiction, relapse is part of your recovery. Mm. Learning how to deal with setbacks without throwing in the towel. Mm. is part of recovery from anything. And so, um, man, it's, it, it is hard, but, but helping, helping a wife on that journey to understand that and to really, um, at the end of the day, in marriage, I, I just have come to believe that one of the most important things in marriage is learning how to entrust my spouse to the Lord. Mm. We hear all the time, that, uh, that like, I just, I just don't trust him. I just don't trust her. And, um, I think that, uh, more important than a deep and abiding trust in Renee is my deep and abiding trust in the Lord. Mm-hmm. And it's my ability to, at times, entrust Renee to the Lord, even when she fails me. Mm even when she does something that hurts me because she's human. She's human. Yeah. She's going to fail me. She's going to hurt me. Um, and if I hold her to a standard that only God can fulfill in my life, I'm putting her in an impossible position. Mm. It's just impossible. 
So good, Matt. Samuel. Yeah. Wow. This has been an amazing <laughs> conversation. We're going to go with one more question. And for our listeners, I, you know, this is probably an episode you want to listen to two or three times. Uh, Matt, you are really bringing your A game today and just sharing a lot of really important dynamics for men and women in marriage. And I love your idea about these Kairos moments where they're marking moments in your life, which what we're talking about here are negative Kairos moments. And for our listeners, here's what I believe. I believe if you're married, eventually your spouse needs to know all your Kairos moments. Mm Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so true. And so if you're in a space, if you're married, if you've been married 20 years, if you've been married one year, and you're in a space where my spouse does not know some of my Kairos moments, um, maybe a counselor would be a good first step. Because mm-hmm. uh, probably some of those Kairos moments are pretty profound in your life Absolutely. if you've held on to them. Mm-hmm. And you've got to have a safe space um, to help an, a person like you, Matt, mm-hmm. navigate those difficult conversations. Also, I think for men, another thing I say is uh, because this is such a shame-filled topic, you have to be very, very careful about who you share your Kairos moments Mm -hmm. with or your moments of defeat and uh, failure currently, and that person has to be a person of grace. Absolutely. And they have to be on some level understand and that's why it's so important for men to talk to men mm-hmm. because men get it Yep. because men have been there, done that exactly. or that's happened to them. Yeah. So final question for you, Matt, um, counseling is a, a part of the process mm-hmm. for a lot of men. Mm-hmm. Uh, what are some other solutions or um, things that men can do be beyond going to counseling to get that? adventure started yeah absolutely like i so um i'm a counselor so i think counseling is awesome right and so uh and it has its place and i think everyone at some point can use it um but i i believe so i believe we're body soul and spirit and um so much of counseling is uh it's uh it's learning how to kind of integrate those things and the the reality for all of us is as as uh, um, as spiritual beings, uh, the scriptures tell us that we're united with Christ, and that when we when we become a follower of Jesus, the Spirit of God itself indwells us, and so there's a resource inside of us. Mm. All the resources of heaven lie inside of us. The most of the problems we encounter in life come from the fact that that spiritual man that's inside of us is in some way living a diminished role Mm. to my soul and my body. My soul, I would say, is my mind, will, and emotion, Mm -hmm. right? And so if my mind, will, and emotions are in dominion over that spiritual man that's inside, or if my body, I mean addiction, right? The Mm -hmm. cravings of my body are in dominion over that spiritual man that's inside of me, Um. And that spiritual man is going into hiding. It's not being nurtured. Mm. It's going to lead to all kinds of dysfunction in our lives. And so, like, when I think about the things that men need in their lives, um, first and foremost, man, it's union with God. It's it's the nurturing of that spiritual man. And I bet you, gosh, 
eight out of 10 guys maybe that I've met with in my life, man, as soon as I start in a counseling session, I might say, so tell me about your walk with the Lord. And I just see a blank stare. Hmm. Um, and that's just for me, so disheartening. And I've been through those seasons as a man where my, my walk with the Lord is if God feels distant or, you know, maybe I, I, I've had a lack of discipline in my life. Um, but I, I just believe so strongly that we need, we need spaces. It's one of the things I love about what you guys do here at Ada, right? Yeah. The, what is it? The row, the circle, the chair, Yeah. right? Church, man, going to church, being fed by the word of God, corporate worship with one another, standing arm to arm with people, singing the praises of God, like so important. Mm. Um, the circle having spaces in your life where, you know, whether it's a men's group or a couple's group, um, just life giving relationships in our lives where we can grow closer to the Lord and grow closer to others. Um, I think the healing process for anything in our life requires both. Mm -hmm. We're wounded in relationship. So we heal in relationship. So good. Right. So healing does not happen without community. Uh, from whatever it is that we're a part of or that that's happened to us. Uh, but then the chair, just that place where I meet with God. Um, you know, for me, it's in the morning. I love when I can get up in the morning and my house is quiet and I love it in the summertime because I can go sit on the back porch and I can just have time with the Lord mm-hmm. through prayer, uh, through getting into his word, through reading the words of great men and women throughout history who have written things down for us in great books or podcasts or different things like that. Um, I just think those environments, having those environments of nurturing that spiritual place inside of us, it is the key. The spiritual man in us is the part of us that's supposed to be in dominion over the others, (laughs) right? There's no way, you know, you read the stories of the apostles. There's no way these guys do what they did if they were relying on their mind, will, and emotions or mm. their physical, I mean, most of them gave up the safety of their physical body. Yeah. Right? They needed to have something more. Mm. Um, and that's that spiritual place inside of us. Oftentimes when I, when I meet with a man, I'll draw those concentric circles, you know, on, on the board and the spirit is the center. The spirit is the center. And um, I'm telling you guys come into my office sometimes and they're like, man, I'm really struggling and they want to talk about, you know, the craving, you know, my wife's not been able to Mm -hmm. meet my need. And I might say, how's your prayer life? You know what I mean? Like, um, I get it. Your body's telling you something. Your body's telling you something that might be true. It might not be true because that thing that's coming into your mind, will and emotions is running through the filter of your life experience. That's telling you a message (laughs) It, it might be the right message. It might not be. But if you're spiritual, if that spiritual place inside of you is the place that's running the show, it's running. If you're nurturing that space, the scriptures tell us that a man who walks in the spirit will not gratify the desires of the, of the flesh. flesh. Yeah. Right. So like, how are we there? Let's, let's go back. Let's go back there. I'm not necessarily, I'm not in the business of beating anyone over the head with the Bible. I love God's word. Um, but I do believe beyond a shadow of a doubt that union with God through the nurturing of that spiritual place and connection with him is the answer mm. for anything. 
Mm. Yeah, Jesus, Jesus. So we've talked about this first that I'm going to share, you know, Jesus pretty plain, you know, without me, you can do nothing. Absolutely. <laughs> so, yeah. so good. Matt, thank you. Mm. On behalf of, oh, on behalf of all of the men that will listen to this you episode, bet. man. And all the men at Ada Bible yes. that you've influenced, man. Yeah, thank man. you been awesome. so much. Love yeah. Love it's it. incredible. Um, men, wives of men who are going to be like tapping their husbands and people on the shoulders like you need to listen to this um we want to make sure that you know that at ada bible we really love pouring into our men whether it's a men's ministry event like a man night or an opportunity to go on a retreat those things are available at ada bible so i want to encourage you to go to our website at adabible.org and check out um, our men's ministry. That's number one. Number two, I want to encourage you men who are navigating, you know, some level of a sexual addiction or desire, something that has happened, um, to also check out our website and or email PMG at adabible.org. That is our purity mentoring groups for our men's ministry. And we love to see men come to some level of healing and freedom and begin to have the conversations that can begin to change the trajectory of their lives. And so we, as Matt said, don't want man to hide in shame. We don't want you to hide in shame. And in that space, we want you to begin to be vulnerable, to talk about it, to work through it, because you are not alone, men. Okay? You're not alone. So with that being said, like Kelly said, listen to this episode two, three, four thousand times until you make that next step um, and or wives as you're listening to this, encourage your husband to check this out and because it is a very prolific and profound episode. Um, and so with that, um, if you've enjoyed together, don't forget to like us, share it, tell your friends, all those things. And you can listen to this on any platform. And for Kelly and myself, this has been Together. Thanks for listening to Together. We hope you've learned a thing or two. If you find the podcast helpful, please go to Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or your listening platform, leave a comment, and give us a five-star rating. If you'd like more information on Ada Bible Church and its ministries, or someone to pray or dialogue with about your marriage, go online and check out our website at adabible.org.